The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In the South, it's always college football season and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. One of my favorite games starting to look like a real problem for one group of fan bases it is the chuck oliver show on a friday how are y'all doing i was better yesterday friday what do you mean friday chuck you're talking college football on a friday ain't even games to talk about like anything you say today most likely you can't even be wrong because you're just kind of talking ball that's one thing i've heard about baseball i know dan has played baseball his brother played college baseball it's just you know big fans but there is a famous I forget who said it. It was a famous writer. He said, baseball is pretty boring to watch. It is infinitely interesting to talk about. And I won't call it boring to watch, but I will reca- rephrase that. There ain't a lot that goes on in a baseball game sometimes. Even when it's like six to four and you're like, hey, they scored 10 runs. It can be as, as I, there was three hours of my life. Um, but it's unbelievably interesting to talk about well it's middle of february and we got college football talk on a friday how were you better yesterday i was at a sports book yesterday so thank you everybody again um caesar sports book there harris cherokee in that little elevated vip area and i was like oh you're vip i was like no i'm doing a radio show and they wanted to be quiet uh ish so uh but anyway thanks to everybody again there and for we are back for the hoops tournament next month so uh join us there for the hoops tournament the first uh thursday i believe or wednesday and thursday hoops tournament so it's gonna be a big deal so join us again uh this is something that i referred to yesterday and i never really was able to flesh it out because even on like middle of february no games going on we got a lot to talk about when it comes to college football i said one of my favorite games Starting to look like a real problem for one group of fan bases. And that group of fan bases is all the fan bases in the SEC East other than UGA. Because I'm now believing Kirby is at UGA until he retires from coaching. And that is likely a while. The game I play is fired, hired, or retired regarding what happens next with college football head coaches. And I'm going to tell you, folks, this was something that Brandon Adams back in the day, he was our first producer on the Chuck Oliver Show, and we started eight and a half years ago. And now he's a maca. He's a big-time success at uh, Dog uh, Dog Nation. Is that right, Dan? That's correct. Dog Nation. Yep, Dog Dog Nation. Nation. So um, I was about to say Dog Vent, but I was like, no, that's an online thing. Um, it was a message board. So he was the first, he was like, 
come up with something and make it rhyme and turn it into a game. And that was like literally all of his. He's like, come up with something for this segment, make it rhyme, and it needs to be a game. And I said, well, I'm going to do this based around college. So I came up with fired, hired, or retired. Because I realized I had two topics that day talking about uh, one coach who was already kind of open and what's he going to do next? Is he going to just stay unemployed slash retire or is he going to jump back in again? I was like, well, wait a minute. This guy's going to give those are the three choices for a current college football head coach. What happens next on his professional resume? What's the next entry? Is he fired from his current job? Is he hired away? to either another college job or the NFL? Or does he retire? What happens next with a college football head coach? And I'm going to tell you, folks, it has been a surprisingly reliable vision. And I mean bird's eye. I'm just saying, of those three outcomes, do this yourself. Sit back and make a note on, because I'm sure you have your legal pad, uh, your yellow legal pad with your black ink pen. Now, we have life rules and, and sports rules. Go, like, flip several pages back and just find a blank page. And write down all the ACC head coaches and write down all the SEC head coaches and whoever, if you're a fan of a team in the Pac-12, write down, just our, just our picking guys. And just list, like, 10 or 15 head coaches and put February 2023. And put down your answers to 15 guys. And across the top, fired, hired, or retired, what happens next with a college football head coach? If you go back and look at this in like five years or three years, it's been a surprisingly reliable bit. No details involved because you can't even guess those things. But the bird's eye of just one of those three outcomes, yeah, It's been a pretty reliable vision of what happens next with the program via how the current coach stops being the coach. Now, as I said, you can never even wag the details. Like, I saw Dan Mullen getting fired from Florida as his exit from the program. Now, think about how do you know that, Chuck? Why you could just say that now? I could. But go back with me now. Let's let's go back in time. And, again, those are the only three choices. And I said the details are whatever they are. But of fired, hired, or retired, I mean, Dan Mullen, he's a young man, he's ambitious and has a big ego and all that's good. Uh, he wasn't going to retire. All right, do we? okay, so we can mark that one off. He wasn't leaving for another job. I, don't, I, I wouldn't have guessed as the first choice. What about the NFL? I could have, but I thought he wanted to win in college and be a college guy, and I thought that that, that was kind of him. I still think that. Dan Mullen, he wasn't going to leave for years at Florida. So that only left one out. And I was like, all right, dude's getting fired. So I said that. Have to say, though, I picked fired for Mullen. I did not see part of the reason was he started a fight at halftime with Missouri. I saw him getting fired. Didn't see him showing up for a presser dressed as Darth Vader. So, fired, hired, or retired? Like the details, I, Jim McElwain, I would have, I would have said fired. I didn't guess a Photoshop of him with a shark, and invented death threats against his family. I wouldn't have guessed that. 
I did so you can but you it was of the three choices it's kind of reliable and it has been for me play it yourself and check back regarding Kirby Smart UGA firing Kirby is a remote possibility I because it's always possible he might get fired or might got fired um but the reason this is on my mind today is recently what's been going on over the last like the last three weeks with Todd Munkin. Um, and I had always mused about Kirby going to the league. So that was something. All right, well, he could get hired away. As far as UGA firing Kirby, I said it's a remote possibility, and you have to say that, I guess, for everybody. But I can only give you a scenario of an off-field something that's really bad, felony sort of bad, that is all of three things. It's three things Kirby was not involved with. It was Kirby really had no knowledge of and bad enough that everybody goes down. Now, that third one, bad enough that we just got a clean house, that's Baylor bad. That's Penn State bad. That's like back in the day, that was SMU bad. SMU now looks around at some of the modern day scandals where everybody had to get gone, and they're like, oh, we were just trying to win. We, we just want to go to the Cotton Bowl. So it would have to be UGA firing Kirby is something so bad. All right, we got a clean house. And I don't believe that's any outcome to be wary of with, I just don't believe that. So I'm going to take UGA firing Kirby. I'm listing it as a remote remote possibility. It's Siberia. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, so that's one off the list. Hired means hired away. And for, like, when Mark Rick was the head coach at Georgia, maybe Florida State could have hired him away, and he didn't play there maybe Miami could have hired him away instead of hiring him out of retirement because he planned to not be retired. Uh, excuse me, I mean, he planned to not be coaching. He was like, I'm going to take a year off or something. And the Miami's like, well, will the Miami job come open in a year? And so he wanted, he's like, boom, he's back in. So that was the guy who was just there. The guy before that, Jim Donnan, I don't know if the Oklahoma job came open and they come, maybe NC State, his alma mater. Hired means hired away. And because Kirby has that history, he played at Georgia and was really good. He wasn't, I guess, an NFL probably. He led the SEC in interceptions. Good enough for me. Hired means hired away. And because of the details he has, that can only be the NFL. Now, some people, what about Bama? Um, I think a call from Bama comes as due diligence before a call from any NFL team comes, but uh, the league is the only place for him to go. And for some reason, one outcome of the past three weeks with Munkin is me feeling Kirby is far less likely the coach of the Cardinals or Raiders or anyone in the NFL versus being at Georgia, which is the only college job he could possibly hold. And two months ago, Kirby Smart turned 47. So, yeah, not even that, well, Saban has to leave soon, Grunt, that by now has become true. 
Not even that's true with Kirby. Kirby's got to leave soon. What do you mean he's 47? Like a new 47. Health and wife allowing. Kirby could coach another 15 years, and I mean easy. Now, the wife allowing part, there are spouses who have said, out, you're done. Stop. That me and the doctor are going to team up on you, and so stop. That that has happened. Absolutely, that's happened, and sometimes the coach has listened. Sometimes he hadn't. The wife allowing part, remember, his wife, she's an athlete. And you need to say it that way. All time, this, that, and a third, state of Georgia hoops. So, yeah, I want you home for dinner more, but go get that trophy, another one. I imagine if any SEC, and I imagine, I don't know her, but I imagine if any SEC head coach's wife gets it, it's Kirby's. Just my imagination, though. I do not have that knowledge, but I know she was a cold killer as an athlete. And so she probably looks at trophies and goes, yeah, um, why don't you go get another one? So it's good for a lot of reasons for UGA and their fan base, uh, which bad news for everybody else in the East. All right, we're on break. Come back. Uh, more college football talk on a Friday next. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show when it comes to i don't know like food stamp benefits for single parents. Um, This is something I saw in my state. Adding funds to the EBT uh, funds specifically for single moms, for instance. Years and years and years. And, I mean, it's uh, the the lines moved like 10 feet. Uh, College football is involved. We are a state of action. And Georgia was a state that, and there were like eight states in Colorado and Mississippi and Alabama and a few other, Florida, a few other states that when name image likeness was on the horizon, oh, a year before, let's draft something and then let's get it signed into law. And then let's give our coaches the advantage of saying, we have a a set of guidelines set up, so operate with confidence. And that's not really how it turned out. All these other states were like, yeah, we're not going to pass a law. And it worked out good for them. And then the state of Alabama they went roundup on their law. They were like, yeah, okay, yeah, law doesn't exist anymore. Well, the state of Florida has now taken a more measured approach that actually includes some education for the kids, which I thought was an interesting touch. Um, I want to bring on now Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel. We can talk everything with college football in the state of Florida with him, but uh, let's start with a little name, image, likeness, and state law. Uh, Matt, how you doing today? Pretty good. How you doing this morning? Oh, I'm blessed. Um, the state legislature in Florida, they were like about maybe 10 others. They had good intentions a couple years back, but they realized they wound up kind of handcuffing the state's college coaches. Um, so they have now taken action. Talk about what has loosened and made things a little easier for college coaches in the state of Florida as of about a week ago, maybe, or a couple of days ago. Yeah, actually, as, as of yesterday at 10, I think it was 1030 when uh, Governor Ron DeSantis signed the bill, um, which really kind of, you know, amended uh, the state's NIL laws, you know, and what they were able to do with, with this new law was to kind of 
you know, free up some things. You know, I think because of the ambiguity behind the NCAA's kind of uh, guidelines when it comes to NIL, you know, Florida had kind of taken a more tougher approach because at the time the NCAA hadn't really announced how it was going to handle things. And so this new law kind of allows uh, coaches and schools really to take a, a, a more active approach when it comes to NIL. You know, they can help kind of facilitate deals. They can, if a, if a company comes to them and asks them if there's any athletes that are interested in, you know, working with them, they can kind of actually direct some of those companies to these athletes, which they couldn't do in the past. You mentioned the education part. That was a big part of this new bill was to get education, more education for the athletes, you know, when it comes to uh, how they handle NIL, how they handle the tax implications behind it. Uh, you know, how they kind of move forward in, you know, in an entrepreneurship type of way when it comes to their name, image, and likeness. And then the third part, which was kind of not the one that's taken a lot of, of – gotten a lot of publicity, but is really important for them was the liability issue. You know, they put some wording in that basically protects coaches and schools that if an athlete ever does decide to, let's say, sue a school or a coach for possible lost NIL revenue – um, they, they really can't do that. It kind of protects them as well because if, let's say, a coach wants to bench a player or, or, or drop a player, you know, they can't, they can't sue them for that. So it was kind of a three-prong attack, and it, it does loosen up the laws, and it kind of makes things hopefully uh, puts the state of Florida more on an even keel with a lot of the states around the country right now. Uh, do you – and this is just your, maybe your opinion or maybe there have been a lot of pieces moved around to ensure this. Do, do, how much representing uh, Florida's either current athletes or recruits is the Gator Collective? And I mean like the capital G, capital C, the, the proper noun. Is the Gator – are they still in business? Uh, because they that's about the – hey, uh, the kid didn't get paid. That's about the worst thing possible in the name, image, likeness world. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the Gator Collective is still around. I mean, listen, I, I think obviously this was an instance that, you know, kind of was a warning, I think, for a lot of collectives across the country, you know, how not to how not to do things. Uh, it was a black eye, definitely, on on the, the collective and on, on the school itself, you know. And then when you when you look at a situation with Jaden Rashada, who was the who was the, uh, you know, recruit that Florida had signed. You saw the reports that he was reportedly going to get a 13, was it $13.8 million deal and yeah. falling, falling apart. Uh, Rashada wanted out of his, his, uh, you know, his national letter of intent. Florida was able to give that. Um, I, I think this just shows you kind of where the, the laws still need to be worked on. I mean, there still needs to be some sort of national, uh, you know, national law in place, national, some sort of way to kind of help these guidelines to help this situation. I think at some point, you know, the schools are going to have to be able to get involved in this because um, right now they're not supposed to. You know, they're not supposed to be able to, to see these deals or be part of these deals. Um, and obviously this is a situation where if a school maybe had saw this previously, they could have said, you know, this is not right or this is not something we're interested in. And sometimes in some cases with these collectives, not everyone in the collective is on the same page. And this is kind of what we're hearing a little bit in this situation where, you know, maybe that, you know, one person or maybe one booster or donor is really excited and wants to pay someone, thinks that we'll, we'll pay this humongous deal. And then when it's kind of announced, you know, the other other people in the collective look around and say, well, this this doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. Listen, I, I've spoken to coaches and ADs across the country, and when you mention the situation, they all shake their head and they all say, listen, this is not what, what this was intended for, and this is what the worst-case kind of scenario, and it came back to bite them in, in the end. I don't, are you old enough to remember the scandal at Anderson Accounting, and then they just changed the name to Zurich? They're like, uh, okay, do you remember that at all? 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. I, I mean, I understand a lot of the how, how some of that kind of works. So yeah, it's, don't, uh, don't you have to change your name if you're the Gator Collective? Like, <laughs> if you're Value Jet, don't you have to become AirTran overnight? Like, how can you honestly shake hands with a 17 year old uh, Chuck Oliver, Gator Collective? Damn glad to meet you. How can you do that right now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think you know, you you look around, you try to find a way to to kind of salvage what's what's going on. And I mean, it's it's. You know, I, I've spoken with their, the, the top people before, you know, when the collectives were kind of coming about. And um, obviously, this is this is not a situation that they want to have happen. And I think I think you're in talking to a lot of AGs afterwards. You know, it's, it's amazing here in the state as, as well, especially said, you know, they if, if that deal had ever crossed their their desk, you know, after it was done, they would have they would have pulled their hair out, you know, and then and, and there are a lot of coaches that and I brought this up. Listen, nothing against Jaden Rashada, but if I'm Florida and I'm Billy Napier. And I'm stepping on the field, and I've got a guy who who I brought in a transfer who's going to play. And the first time that transfer throws a pick in a game, and I'm a, I'm a guy in the, in the stands who's a collective and just spent $13 million on another kid, I want that kid in the game. And, and, and that's where you put undue kind of you know pressure yep. on, on a head coach to do those kind of things. And, and that's why I think a lot of ways Billy, Billy wouldn't have wanted this deal because, again, that's just going to put so much pressure. Plus, what's going to happen when you look around the locker room? I mean, you talk about that was the biggest concern coaches have is – Keeping that locker room together. How are you going to keep a locker room together when you've got a, a, a true freshman who is reportedly going to make $250,000 a month to be on the team? Um, it's going to be awful hard for a lot of those players to, to have respect for that guy. Yeah, and you're right. Third-team quarterback don't move a lot of T-shirts. That just yeah. is, that's yeah. just the truth of it. Matt, I appreciate you as always, man. Thank you for coming on, brother. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. Matt Merchell, Orlando Sentinel. If y'all don't remember, I don't know, Dan, you may be old enough to remember. Um, David, you were about 10, so you had other things on your mind. Um, Anderson Consulting was a big worldwide global giant. And I'm going to start all this with, as I recall, so I'm, I'm no legal. And so there was a big scandal about they just weren't doing their job. And it was fudge here and, you know, eraser there and, you know, put it in pencil there, not ink. Um, there was just a lot of um, uh, uh, malfeasance. And so they emerged in part because, no, we're not Anderson, we're Zurich. Where's Anderson? Well, I don't know about them, but we're Zurich. Um, you got to do that if you're the Gator Collective, don't you? We're not the Gator Collective. No, no, we're the UF Official Supporters Collective. Um, and they have not done that. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. I appreciate everybody getting here for a little college football convo. And I told you, uh, it, when I started this show, someone said, do you think you can talk all year about college football? I was like, the, nobody's ever been fired, at least not in the South that I know of, for talking too much college football. Ronnie, we need to see you after the shift today. Okay, what's up? You've been talking too much college football. These folks in Knoxville, they just don't get it. Um, that's that's never happened. Um, so in the business of college football, there's a lot of opportunity to succeed. 
there's one new business in the world of college football that I'm surprised is still in business. And we were just talking about that. The Gator Collective still operates under that name. People will forget. I promise people will forget that the Gator Collective, 15 minutes from now, they'll forget that ever happened. I told Value Jet, <laughs> Airtram. Anderson Consulting, never heard of them. We're Zurich. People will forget and they will move on even when they think it's clunky and strange and weird and this is an invented name that I've never heard when one company absorbs another or they buy or they get bought or whatever. Um, folks, you change the name. I have no interest in my personal outcome of the Gator Collective or Billy Napier's. I like Billy Napier a lot. And I've said that there seems to be a more authentic college football season when Florida's really good. That is just somebody who's observed football for a while. So if you're the Gator Collective and you want to have success, uh, I'm telling you, if you hired me as a consultant, first thing I would say is let's talk about that name. As in, what's the official uh, verbiage? Rebrand? We're going to rebrand. But we did a focus group, and we um, and but and so that's what we came up with. Um, yeah, well, great. I'm glad you had a focus group, but you screwed it up the first time. And I don't know what it was about either. I don't know if their eyes got a little too big for the checkbook. I I don't know if the money really was going to be there, and then one person made a bad decision. Um, I whatever. But you got to rebrand that. There's just no choice, uh, and they have not done that yet. So, again, I appreciate uh, – we talk college football on the show uh, year-round, and so I do appreciate uh, Matt Merchell coming on from the Orlando Sentinel talking Florida's new name-image-likeness bill uh, signed into law, and then also um, also the effects and, and uh, the strategy going forward there in Orlando. Um, so, good stuff there again. Uh, we have scheduled to, to come on Chris Marler from Saturday Down South coming up an hour or two. Mississippi State football talk today with about the best that, uh, best source you're going to find there. He is co-host Sports Talk Mississippi. Has been that way for about five and a half years now, I think. Brian Haydad um, from Super Talk Network and um, just a real good source, like I said, for the Maroon Bulldogs in the SEC. And then bottom of the hour, a discussion that – uh, we had a little bit yesterday, and this was one of those callbacks. I was like, hey, Dan, get get Tim on about Notre Dame and the appearance from folks who do not have a dog in the fight. The understanding that the way this unfolded from folks who are not personally invested in the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job. The overall understanding that Marcus Freeman got a little frustrated and – decided there was increased value in ending the search. Now, you ended the search by that's there's only one way to do that. And so I'm going to rephrase that a little bit. He decided there was increased value in, 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 in this search no longer continuing. He decided that if we keep asking, 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 and getting either no or just not even interested – this is a really bad look, so I am going to put increased value on 
th- this this look stopping. I'll rephrase that as you you rush the hire. Now, the quality spin we put increased value on. on we wanted to get our coordinator in place. All right, well, good for you. My signing day had already taken place. Spring practice hadn't happened yet. I guess there's good and continuity. But they've got a new offensive coordinator who's never called plays. Not that I know of. You know, it's promotion to the uh, tight ends coach, and he's a fine coach and recruiter, and I'm sure Marcus Freeman, he's on the staff for a lot of good reasons. He's not on the staff with the idea that he was going to be the next OC. That's the truth. If now I want to, well, if he was a tight ends coach somewhere else, I don't know about that. I mean, you see a guy and you work with him and every day up close, and then you get uh, that kind of result. Um, that's just kind of what it is. You get to know a guy more, and so he increases his visibility and with you more so than any other coach. So if he was the tight end coach anywhere else at Penn State, uh, if he was the head uh, tight ends coach at Penn State, then James Franklin would be more likely to promote him. So I can't, I, I, I can't give you any sort of specific prediction about the transition to the new OC with the Irish. Maybe it's just a matter of time. It was like Zach Arnett, the folks at Starkville swear he was going to be head coach sooner or later. I was like, I agree with that. Uh, and they love him here in Starkville and have since they hired him. I agree with that. I don't think that that's the move Mississippi State makes, all things being equal. Um, Notre Dame, this isn't the move they make, all things being equal. So that's just the backdrop to what could be, and again, Zach Arnett could be a success. I'm just he still wouldn't have been the choice if Mike Leach would have left for another reason. Part of this was increased, and we need to, this is a bad look. We're getting turned down by guys at Kansas State, and we're getting turned down by Utah, and I'm just I'm frustrated and no two million. And so it just looked like a, I don't want to say a small response. A response is not a big enough response like Notre Dame football is supposed to be. Not the easiest thing to find an OC. We've talked about that because an inordinate amount, if there were 40 jobs open over the last um, whatever hiring cycle, 40 jobs, let's say. It wasn't 20 rising star slash quarterback coaches slash OCs and 20 same thing defensive line, linebacker coach, defensive. It wasn't. There is a tilting to let's pluck even more of the OCs uh, than we talked about that with Dave Bartu two weeks back. And that has continued to take place. And so that's part of why Nick Saban's looking around going, this is not as easy. There were a bunch that I used to, and they're, they're all taken now because Brian Dayball's a head coach. So harder. Marcus Freeman just wanted to end it. So we will talk about that again with Tim O'Malley. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. Uh, we will wrap up hour one next. Back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. If he wanted to leave for more money uh, after George had already made him the highest paid guy, then they would help him pack his bag. Not in a mean way. They'd say, hey, congratulations. 
But, you know, I, I saw a report that the uh, Tampa Bay offensive coordinator is making like $3.5 million. Kirby can't do that with Todd Munkin. Right in the ball seat, UGA Sports.com. And he is giving the lowdown. He was actually talking with Dan Matthews, Southern Beat. I think you can go to southernsportstoday.com and get all the information about this show. I think at southernsportstoday.com you can also, like, there may be a picture of Dan somewhere, and you click on that and you get Southern Beat. Dan, does any of that sound familiar? That's correct. All of that is is very accurate. Correct. Please do. Fantastic. Um, So that's what we got there. Um, And so what he's talking about with Todd Munkin and the – three million dollars or the three and a half million dollars or the the whatever it is um what he's talking about there is kirby resetting a bar and i mean to a giant level um kirby setting a bar where and and there's the money's there he said kirby can't just do that kirby setting a bar where suddenly you raise the highest paid assistant coach like in one jump by Two and a half. This is easy math. What, 20% overnight? You know, a million-dollar head coach was a big thing, and it wasn't like it wasn't the dark ages. And then the, not the joke, but the, certainly not the joke, but sort of the, the point and folks, did we all notice this? That's kind of what it was. It wasn't a joke. It was, hey, are we all aware? The And there was a little bit of a punchline to it that somebody in the SEC East is going to get paid $4.5 million to finish last. Uh, the SEC West, when everything, when it was, I think it was, about four years ago? Yeah. And it was uh, Dan Mullen had gotten his raise, and whoever the lowest paid was 4 nine. I think it was Mississippi State, maybe. And it may have been actually after he left and they hired Mike Leach. Maybe that was the it was $4.5 million and to finish last. So that was kind of a, a, a punchy thing. Folks, that was for a head coach, and I'm trying to remember that might have been like four years ago. Five. It was while I was doing this show. And so you blink and you snap your fingers. And then all of a sudden, it's almost that much. And I want to say for a uh, coordinator, uh, it's for an assistant coach. Now, we can label that all kinds of ways. And there are dividers, obviously. The coordinator is going to get paid more and the offensive coordinator because they're the most attractive and everything else. That's great. Um, that's who somebody's going to hire away. When I say the most attractive, they're the ones that other programs are going to want to yank from you first. So they're getting broke off. Um, it's $3 million. That's the next step. And Roddy's saying he's not going to do that. Kirby can't do that. Kirby could do that. Kirby's not doing that. Somebody's going to. And they're going to get an offensive coordinator. It's going to be like a three-year, $9 million contract. And uh, when it's, they're going to have a built-in language, they want to get to be a head coach. Uh, uh, if they leave to go be a head coach, they can do that. And here's the buyout, and boom, I'm gone. 
and they won't fulfill the whoever gets that three million dollar a year contract he won't fulfill it that's how good that is um i was looking earlier today totally different reason um than it wound up being but I was looking earlier today at a list of coaches on a preseason coaches on the hot seat. And there was a name that I understand why and sure. And I guess you're going to do that. Um, it kind of makes sense. Um, this list of coaches on the hot seat, there was one name that it, I guess it checks the box, but the guy is not getting fired this year, and so if he's not getting fired, he shouldn't be on the hot hot seat uh, list. Butch Jones is there. He could get fired. Pat Fitzgerald is there. He could have a conversation, I think. Mario Cristobal, if you want to put him on the list, I, I guess he's really, really, really expensive, and he has been able to look at decisions he made and say, yeah, yeah, that's the wrong, but this guy needs to be replaced. I'm like, well, you hired him. But all of them, you can sort of talk to me about, yeah, he's on the hot uh, hot seat, and I get him showing up on this list. I don't understand Jimbo Fisher necessarily being on this list again by the checklist of how you get on a hot seat um we hired you we had expectations and you're nowhere near them that's how you wind up on a hot seat list Jimbo's not getting fired and so if that is a statement of not after this season so if that is a statement of fact then he shouldn't have I go I, I went to Google this morning and 2023 college football head coach, hot seat list, prediction, uh, whatever. I picked one, 150 of them. Picked one of them. And then I went and picked another one. Then I picked like five more. And all of them had Jimbo Fisher on it. All of them mentioned the buyout money and then went on to tell me how Jimbo Fisher could get fired anyway. And remember, like I picked, here's one of the, five that are five or six that I picked. All right. This is from about two weeks ago. Bleacher report way too early. 2023 college football head coach, hot seat predictions. One of about a half dozen I looked at. And it is a drill down on all. It says though, in the title 2023, and so if you want to put Tom Allen on there or Dino Babers, I get all that because it's for 2023. If Jimbo Fisher isn't getting fired as a result of the 23 season, you can't put him on the list. And this, just like the other probably five or six that I read, the very first buyout money is a legitimate topic. And then it goes to, Talent on the way out the door, and they're a lukewarm overall record, and all is true. Quote, simply not good enough at a program desperate to compete for SEC and national titles. That's true as well. Final sentence, if the Aggies want to change, they'll find the money. Okay, that could be true as well, not this season, not as a result of the 23 season. Jimbo Fisher, for this year, he doesn't have to achieve. 
He can have another losing record. He can go five and seven. He can go four and eight. He's not getting his, not getting fired. Not because of this season. Not after this season. And so every article you find talking, and right now it's February, in after spring practice, like May after that transfer portal uh, window closed, that's uh, through the 15th, then it'll become list season and it'll become hot seat season, specifically. Uh, there'll be the Heisman are way too earlys, and then it won't be way too early, and then it'll be media days, and then it'll be fall camp, and then all of a sudden it's week one, and we're looking around, and we're like, Jimbo Fisher, he's out here for a year, 18, 19, 20, 21, He's here year six, and they've already got two losses now, and we're not even out of October. Um, that's a realistic scenario that Jimbo's got three losses or four losses this season. And it's a big improvement over last year, nowhere near where they should be, especially this deep into him being – and there's not going to be any outcome. I just gave you a four-loss season. I gave you a seven-loss season, just like last year. I'm getting fired. So I agree that for all the reasons we can list, Jimbo should be on the same list with the BC head coach and the Indiana head coach and maybe even the Northwestern head coach, maybe. Absolutely. For every single same reason – he shouldn't be on the list because all those lists are about this season. And he doesn't have to achieve this year. He wants to, and he's busting tail, and everybody involved, it is 100% every single day because the turnaround is what they want. It doesn't have to happen. Dan, how's your Friday? He's going to be there now. And look, I mean, he might not be on CBSSports.com's list or ESPN.com's list. He's on the list on the list that he doesn't want to be, and that's in College Station, especially with the Aggie fan base. So they don't want any more five and sevens. Hell, they don't even want any more eight and fours. If you're getting paid what he's getting paid and the promises that were made on what this program was supposed to be, nine and three really isn't even good enough. It needs to be much better than that. So nine and three is a climb for them this get, year. That's get to hustling. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Get to hustling. Um, all right. I don't know if this is going to morph into a future segment for us, but um, I'll go ahead and just uh, call it. If indeed it does sprout some legs, it's called. That's not a good look. And this is Dennis Dodd yesterday about the Ohio State cancellation with Washington sources. The Ohio State cancellation of Washington was nothing more than a reaction to a tougher conference schedule with the addition of USC and UCLA. Don't read anything more into it. You are uh, Ohio State, of course, calling off a 2024-2025 home and away with uh, Washington uh, that was uh, supposed to start, uh, like I said, in 24. They were supposed to go to Seattle for that one, then come back in 25. And uh, Smith saying as a result of the cancellation, they're now going to get, this is Gene Smith, the AD there at Ohio yep. State eighth home game and it also gives them the opportunity to uh, guarantee that opponent and to pay the penalty of backing out of this game chuck i'm going to go ahead and say why this is not a good look because the reputation for ohio state is right now they're a soft program that they're not physically tough that they are a program that when pushed will get pushed around and this is something that we've seen some of the other blue blood programs whenever they've been faced with this Georgia going to play at Notre Dame Georgia you know was supposed to this year guard next year for that matter go play uh, at uh, Oklahoma and just because they didn't know if Oklahoma would be in the conference they called it off that was the only reason that they did but mark my words if indeed there was a way that they believed that this could s still stay and it was not mandated by the SEC Kirby Smart's packing his team up and they're going to Norman Oklahoma and they're playing against the Oklahoma Sooners 
to have somebody out there, even though this source who I can guess is not with Ohio State, saying it is the result of a tougher conference schedule with USC and UCLA? Ryan Day, man, you've got to be able to try to find a way to turn this reputation around. Otherwise, it's going to start to hurt you badly. Yeah, and I'm still trying to gauge what is needed in the day of expanding playoffs. Um, When it went from two to four, I thought that the schedule gig actually uh, was right, that you wanted another kind of jewel out there. And then I found out for sure when I went out to Dallas and went through the process um, that in the 14 playoff, that's really what you wanted to kind of up the schedule. I think with the expanded playoff, it may be a race to 12 or 13 wins, and you are getting in almost no matter what. All right, that wraps up Hour 1 on this Friday. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President Stacy Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacy's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout metro atlanta jim ellis automotive where you can always expect the best camp margaritaville rv resort where you can just breathe in and breathe out (sighs) or move there's biking boating arcade games hiking nearby golfing or fly through the new fins up water park thrills chills twists and turns this could be you Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands, an easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at CampMargaritavilleLanierIslands.com.